This episode of Dialogues with Creators could be referred to as Meta. It's an example of itself. It's a podcast about podcasts and podcasting. We will be talking with Amanda Triplett of Dalton, Georgia, a high school educator and founder of a nonprofit that teaches people of all ages about the value and fun of podcasting. Stay tuned. Podcasts. According to Demand Sage, an internet analytics reporting site, there are over 5 million podcasts now with 70 million episodes between them all. There are 100 million active podcast listeners in the United States. I could go on, but podcasts are huge, and that's what we're doing here. And they are huge in importance to our guest today, Amanda Triplett of Dalton, Georgia, who leads the National Podcast Project, which includes, among other things, the Run Your Mouth Podcast Challenge 2023. Today, we are going to learn all about this fascinating endeavor. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you for having me. You have an interesting story, and you are the creator of a local movement that is going larger and reaching many people, including young people. So I'm going to let you just start telling us about the National Podcast Project. Okay, well... uh This is about my favorite thing to talk about in the world other than my children. So I'm excited. Um, Really, it started back in 2020, 2019. Um, My school district, I am a middle school, high school English teacher, um, sent me to a conference at Syracuse University. And I met a young woman there named Lauren Magaki from NPR. And I was learning how to use film and photography equipment because I was starting a a new journalism program and it was kind of combining with the audio video technology film. And so I had none of those skills at the time. And so I was I was really trying to learn with journalists across the world. Um, And I really mean across the world. They were some of the best journalists definitely in our country and even some from other countries there um, at Syracuse. And that was fabulous. But I, you know, I was an overload and kind of almost, I remember numb with all the information until Lauren got up and offered audio um, storytelling as another option for journalism. And before that, I had never listened to a podcast in my life. I mean, I knew what one was, but I, was, I wasn't a listener. You know, I've always been kind of really busy and creative and, and working. And so I just, for whatever reason, had never bought into podcasting or really thought of it any more than just short radio stories. Um, but when I listened to some of the stories that Lauren had recorded and shared, um, especially in connection, to um oh goodness what is the the podcast that's so big from NPR StoryCorps when whenever you know she started I started thinking to myself why have I never found this before you know this could be a game changer for teachers to use this in the classroom because number one you know kids who don't have a lot of money or resources can access audio storytelling in a way that they can't with video and photography because video and photography equipment is so expensive. And so that bumps a lot of kids out of really accessing those um, kind of pathways outside of school. So anyway, I'll jump forward. So I decide after talking to Lauren 
that this is going to be my focus for the new year. And she tells me about the NPR Student Podcast Challenge um, that they, I think we're just a few years in at that point at 2020. And I just go back to my school after the training with a goal of having four kids enter. Now, she told me that they had had thousands of entries, so I had no idea that we would even get an honorable mention. I just thought, year one, I want to have four enter. So I told the kids about it. We didn't have a clue what we were doing. We were trying to record audio on iPads. It was a complete disaster. I actually remember some of my high schoolers crying because they would record something. It would get erased. It wouldn't come out. They would work all this time to edit. And then all of a sudden it wouldn't sound good. I mean, it was just a disaster. But there was a lot of excitement around it. You know, I remember... Just thinking to myself, wow, kids do not get this excited about writing an essay or about doing research for a paper, you know. And so I, even though it was really tough that first year, it clicked with me that the engagement of kids um, and not just kids who've done well in school, but kids who maybe have special, you know, education needs or they have language barriers like ELL students, you know, because when you record on a microphone, nobody sees your face. So that also gives some anonymity to kids who are not really ready to be connected to their story yet in such a public way. So year one, we got those four podcasts in in the middle of the pandemic. And lo and behold, I get a phone call that first year that one of my students had won top 10 in the NPR Student Podcast Challenge. And I thought it was a joke. I remember laughing whenever the call came. And then I realized that they really were awarding my student top 10. Um, It was a podcast called Toxic Masculinity. Um, by a young man named Ellis Stevens, who's now at Dalton High School, one of our local high schools. He's really proud of it. Um, And, you know, we learned so much from him because, you know, he had had to re-record his podcast multiple times. And honestly, if he had not found that quick success, you know, in that big national competition, I don't know if the rest of the dominoes would have fallen the way they have. So I always go back to two people. I basically Lauren McGawkey for helping me find it. And another young woman who is in our local community, Deanna Mathis from Shaw Industries, because we reached out to her and said, hey, we want to try this. Can you give us some money to get some podcasting equipment? And she responded. And that was wonderful because she just believed in in giving our kids a chance to share their story. She came into our classroom and talked to them about her story, you know, as the community outreach director at Shaw. So that was big. That was year one. Um, after Ellis won, though, we thought to ourselves like, well, goodness, you know, the people in our community have just as great a stories to share as those from NPR And so we decided, why don't we start our own competition? There's only one out there that we could find. There was not others because we wanted to try to, you know, enter other competitions and connect with other groups. But there wasn't anyone. And so we immediately were, you know, thinking, well, why don't we just start our own? And so there was some discussion about, well, what will we call this? And I remember that first group of kids, they're my current Let's see, my first, my sixth graders now then were my current ninth graders. 
And that's the group of kids, this one little group that they said they wanted to call it Speak Up Whitfield because there's always been a big divide in our community between the county schools and the city schools. And if we called it Speak Up Dalton, that would not um, show what we have in common because we all live in Whitfield County together. And so it was really important. We talked about that, that this might be a project that could really bridge that gap that's been there for years and years. And it could bring students and teachers together to share stories. And so Speak Up Whitfield was created. The first year we did it was in 2021. And we had four schools and 41 podcasts submitted to our competition. Okay. um, Yeah, I think anybody can tell you are excited about this. And I love it because your excitement will come through vocally. Uh, in, in this podcast about podcasts. Now, I'm going to follow up some questions here. So you you mentioned the age of these subjects, these students. They were in the sixth grade when they were, were submitting these? Yes, the group that helped plan the competition were my current sixth graders when it was Dalton Middle School. And we, so I had sixth, seventh, and eighth, and Ellis was one of my older students, but my sixth graders were the ones that really came up with the idea that we should start our own competition. Okay. So the, when, when Ellis and his colleagues, they were in eighth grade or sixth to eighth grade? Yes, they're, they're, they were in seventh. Um, right now they're in 10th grade, that group. So we're, were the other people in the NPR challenge younger people like that? Well, they have two categories. Well, actually, now they have three categories. They have a middle school, a high school, and a college. Ah, okay, excellent. All right. Um, that's, that's amazing. That is just, you must have really lit a fire under them to get them to, to uh, do that well. And I'm, I think that uh, one of the questions when we talked earlier is maybe you can talk about like what what Ellis's since he did it on toxic masculinity. Can you give us a sense of what he actually did, its length, its content, that kind of thing? Well, NPR um, requires podcasts to be three to eight minutes for their competition. And so we've modeled Speak Up Whitfield after that in some ways, um, because really, you know, if you can say more with less, that's a really important skill for kids to have. And so a lot of times they'll have 20, 30 minutes of footage that they'll have to edit down to seven or eight minutes. Um, you know, I think that many of the kids from my program choose social justice issues because my class kind of lends itself to discuss what we want to change in the world. But now that Speak Up Whitfield has grown, I mean, this year we had 148 podcasts from 14 different schools two years later. Um, Now we're seeing a lot of like science and math topics, too, that are really cool. This year, one of the best ones was about um, why plants are important. And so I see that some of the STEM schools, like we saw another podcast from an elementary student that talked about the difference between WNBA and MBA uh, salaries and how that not only do we see this in, in female sports, that they're not treated equally to males, but also we see this across other um, job fields. 
And so and this was a fourth grader who was doing this. She's a basketball player. So, I mean, we are seeing what started off as more of kind of um, like social topics are now moving into more career and science um, of focus, too. So I'm happy to see that because I think our science and math teachers do need to use podcasting in their classrooms. It's a great way for them to teach research skills and interview skills and kind of document material and synthesize material in a new way. So I'm I'm excited about that. That's that's neat um, that you got that big of a um, input of 148 young people doing this. Um. So when when they do it, they get a lot of interviews and they get a lot of footage and and sound, basically. And then they do the editing. Yes. So it is much about the editing than it is going to get the interviews as well. Yes. The editing editing is a huge step when I do when I lead workshops with teachers or adults or even other young people. You know, I try to allow as much time on editing as they do on collecting the material because, you know, sifting through what you have is just so important. What order you put your material in, you know, if you have a really good interview, you might want to start with that. If you don't put it till the end, you may have lost your listener by then, mm-hmm. you know, so for them to at this young age be able to what I call synthesize information is a really difficult skill that they struggle with. You know, if you ask employers, they say, you know, kids are coming out of high school with strong academic skills, but their soft skills are atrocious. I have heard that over and over. And so especially kids that are going through the pandemic or have gone through the pandemic, you know, have some real gaps in learning around those social skills. And podcasting is a great way to engage them and work on that at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think just starting them young in elementary school all the way up to, you know, this year, next year for Speak Up Whitfield, we're going to have a college in an adult category. And our kids are now teaching our adults how to podcast, which is great. Yes. And so you're you're still working with the same uh, parameters that the NPR one of three to eight minutes. Yes. We usually encourage students to go in the five to eight minute category because a lot of times at three minutes, you can't really, um, you know, prove your point or what I call um, a call, make a call for action. You know, I really want my students to ask the listener to think differently about something or to change behavior or to, you know, like use information in a new way. And I think if you only have three minutes making your point and then also making that call for action is really tough. Right. So I think that um, for a lot of people who think of podcasting is sort of like what we're doing here, where we just sit down and we talk and then we put it out there that uh, this is this to me has kind of uh, expanded the idea of it. Now, I've listened to like, you know, people to the true crime podcast and those kinds of things that are very long very long, you know, it might be six or eight episodes long and, you know, very produced and everything. So this is, this is a very short version, but it allows the the young people to construct an argument. They're just not doing it on paper. And right. Said about the, um, 
the structure, I think, is really important, that this could be a good way, an amazing way to get them to understand how that translates to writing. But they're not having to worry so much about the maybe the the MLA format. <laughs> right. Some of the particulars, they'll get to that. But and those are important. But this will allow them to see a different medium. You know, uh, I teach public speaking and. Of course, there's a lot of crossover between the writing and the speaking, but and a lot of differences, too. So, for example, I imagine you have them if they want to put some music in it as as transitional and all that. Yes, there's so many different decisions for them to make about their podcast. You know, do they want to it to be more narrative style? Do they want to interview? Do they want to have group discussion? Do they want to have a combination of all of those? Um, You know, and and I think as teachers, we forget that within our literacy standards, speaking and listening is over a third of them. You know, and I think in the past that we've always just thought that speaking and listening happened in the classroom. So we're covering that. But I don't think we were intentional about building those skills the way we've needed to, you know, and now that we see like these weaknesses in our employees and the workforce in these soft skill areas, you know, I think it it will make us go back or hopefully make us go back to the the drawing board, so to speak, about how to really deliberately engage kids in speaking and listening activities and not just think it's going to be embedded in the other things we do with reading and writing, because that's that's really not the case. And, and those skills are very weak. And, you know, you can see that now if you just ask a normal teenager to go ask someone they don't know a question. And then whenever they ask the question to follow up on their answer, because if they don't have it written down what they're going to say, they're at a loss, you know, and so podcasting does that. It teaches us to listen to what someone's saying, form our own thoughts and responses with some, you know, information even to back ourselves up and then to respond. And I, I just think it's it's just such an innovative tool. Every teacher in every classroom should be using it, period. So um, as far as uh, your your work here. Um, my next question is about some real breakouts you've seen. Obviously, you've seen a great deal of success, but um, could you talk more about the the Run Your Mouth podcast challenge? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, because we, we love that phrase because a lot of times people will say to a teenager kind of in a snarky way, oh, you're going to run your mouth. And so, you know, it really does take that and kind of flip that around um, because we want them to speak more. I mean, sometimes we're scared of what they're going to say, but we 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 should want them to speak more because they really do get so much more than we realize. But Run Your Mouth kind of takes um, our podcast project in a new direction because half of our podcasters are youth and half are adults. So we actually have some area professionals who wanted to start a podcast for their business. Like we have Brandon K. Wood, who's doing um, the free rant freelance creative podcast and it is amazing so far um you know he hopped on board we had um carlos ramirez from block 79 is going to start a podcast for the hispanic community about their block and their um businesses down there and we have somebody from the chamber of commerce who's doing local like georgia stories dalton stories i mean we've just had a great turnout for that but we chose 25 podcasters 
and they are required to do one episode a month for the year of 2023. And we're going to have awards in June for the first half of their series and then awards again at the end of the year for their complete series of 12. Um, So we've got some teachers doing it. We've got students doing it. We've got a couple of people from Dalton State. We have a student or two from there doing it. And um, and so we're really excited. I mean, it's our pilot year for this. So we're just fresh out of the gate. Um, So I think people are having a difficult time kind of figuring out where they're going to go to record. You know, how do they want to set their podcast up? I mean, adults are not that different than kids. They've got to figure out the process, too. Mm hmm. Yes, I can imagine for some folks that the technical aspect of it would be a challenge. Uh, are any of them doing it themselves or are they getting someone to help them or are they allowed to do that? No, I think everybody's doing it themselves. But I mean, that is a big part of this, too, is kind of the way different groups of people cross over, you know, for this project. Like we've kind of incorporated like panel discussions. I mean, we had a panel discussion for African-American History Month. We had one for Hispanic Heritage Month with Shaw, another one with the Emory Center. Then we record what comes from these panels and then we, you know, students can use that material or we can use that material. We had an event where we had the downtown Grateful event at Thanksgiving with the Chamber of Commerce. We The kids created a beautiful podcast of stories from the Grateful event. So I love the fact that whether it's Run Your Mouth or Speak Up with Field or just kind of the other community projects we're doing with this, that there's so much crossover between ages, gender, experience, racial backgrounds. Um, it really is bringing people together through stories. And, um, and our kids get to be leaders in doing that. So I think they find real p- purpose in like documenting those stories because people can listen to those 50, 100 years from now when they're gone. You know, it, it's something also an artifact that will um, kind of hold on to the time and the things that are happening in our community now. Are these publicly available now? Some are. We have, I mean, I'll tell you some of the challenges of the project is figuring out how to share children's stories and still protect their identities. Um, So, I mean, that we've we've been meeting with an attorney about it because we definitely always want to be safe and and make sure like one of the things we're telling our kids is do not use last names if you're under 18. If you're over 18, that's fine. Um, But if you're under 18, we should not hear your last name. And so we're I mean, that's just one of those things that we're trying to work on, because as you're putting your, you know, material out as a creative to you know, our community, the nation, the world, they, we also are working on some of those safety technical issues, too, so that students do know how to be safe. OK, so that's to say then that they're not publicly available right now. They will. The winners of the Speak Up Whitfield competition this year will be available on our website. And so those those podcasts will have been vetted and, and you know, we had 24 judges and so they've gone through them very well. And after our April 14th event um, at the Link Theater where all of the um, the awards are given, the big event and, um, you know, all the 14 schools come together. It's just beautiful. We um, kids speak, they perform. It's it's just fabulous. We grew out of the Creative Arts Guild, which was our first year. place, But um. 
Yeah. And we may grow out of the link. I mean, it's 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 working now. But anyway, after that, those those winning podcasts will be published on our website. Oh, OK. OK, very good. So uh, so you talked about one of the challenges being the, the legal aspect and the protection of the children's um, identities and such. Any other um, you know, challenges you've had? Well, it's not a challenge for me. I will say I I love um, allowing kids to speak, but I think it has been a concern that, you know, kids are allowed to speak about whatever they want to, Hmm. Um, you know, and so finding that line between talking to kids about, hey, you're putting this material out for an audience, you may not want to say that about your grandmother Okay. Versus, I mean, and that does happen. You know, you have a teenager who's 14, 15 years old who's gotten grounded by their grandmother for, I don't know, staying on their cell phone too late. And I mean, you know, podcasting is a perfect opportunity to just talk about how they feel about that. You know, we, and, and so those are some of the things that as teachers, you know, we're trying to train our teachers. How do you talk to your students about what they share, what they don't share how it is shared you know what the purpose is again what you want from your listener those kinds of things um you know and we try to choose really diverse judges who are going to be you know open to lots of different thoughts because we you know you get an array of topics from kids about what they think and you know where they stand on an issue you and you know we talk to them about you know being able to be respectful about how you say something that should never be an attack on any person or a group of people. Um, And I think most of the time our kids have done great with that. Um, But I do think, you know, as you're talking about a concern moving forward, as we move out of our region, you know, we're starting to have people in Atlanta interested, Chattanooga interested. You know, we've got a group in New York that's interested, another group in Ohio. I mean, pretty soon we'll be moving to a national audience, you know, Having your teachers vet those podcasts and really be on the same page about that is going to be important. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so far we've talked about the creativity that's involved in podcasting. Have you created podcasts? I have. I want you to know that the very first one I created, though, my kids tore it apart. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> they did. They told me my introduction was weak. They told, I mean, I got so much feedback from them that it was about my hair. Um, you can't see me because we're, you know, talking, but I have red hair, bright red hair. Um, my hair has always been a huge part of my identity. Um, you know, I don't look like anybody in my family so that, you know, they always, people have said, where did I get my hair from? Um, yeah, my mom just used to say, God gave it to me. Um, anyway, so I did my first one on hair and about how hair is a part of our identity. And I think that it was pretty good for my first one, but I loved that my kids critiqued it. You know, in in looking back, a lot of the things they said was spot on. You know, one part I talked too long. One part of my music didn't fit really well with the vibe I was trying to, you know, produce. They, I mean, they broke it down. And, you know, I was a little defensive, even though I don't let them be when we critique their podcast. But afterwards, I kind of chuckled to myself because I was like, you've taught them well. Like they really tore that up. And what they said was really right. 
you know, and you're the teacher with three degrees and they're in seventh and eighth and ninth grade, like it's working. You know, they don't do that about essays. I mean, and I'm a writer. I mean, that's what made me an English teacher. I love to write. Um, And there's a huge writing and reading component to this. But the engagement with this is just like nothing else I've ever seen in my 19 years of teaching. And I just will never teach the same way. Hmm. That's interesting. So the as far as the um, that side of it, do any of the students start uh, get into a podcast? It's more like this one, an ongoing kind of a podcast. Or do they seem to do it as a a singular project? Well, you know, I mean, we're still pretty new in this. You know, at the very most, even my most experienced kids have probably only created two or three. Okay. So I think they're heading in that direction to to create. And, you know, they're asking now, like, well, could we create longer ones or we do a series? And that really is where I've pushed some of them to run your mouth and to think about 12 episodes and how those, you know, connect together. Um, But for a, a young person who's never podcasted before, the five to eight minutes is really a great start. And they usually do think of it as a singular um, project. Um, now, when I move into college in the fall, you know, I'll hope that those podcasters will start seeing their podcast as an ongoing project because they'll get listeners and that'll feel great and they'll be engaged and they'll want more. Um, so, you know, I think in another thing with young people, their attention spans so short. There's great things about that because, you know, they pack everything they can in those eight minutes. Um, the bad thing about it is it would have to be a fabulous podcast to keep an eighth grader entertained for more than probably 10, 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. It just would. Okay. So back to the creativity thing, you were creative in, in getting the students involved in this, but you also created a nonprofit. Yes. What happened with that? That's got to be a major thing I can't even imagine. <laughs> well, you know, it's tricky because I'm a teacher for one specific school district. And, you know, this project for it to really flourish in the way that it it could, you know, is something that, you know, it makes me want to help teachers from lots of school districts, you know, and want it also lends to needing to share equipment, share resources, share, you know, everything, instruction. And so to be able to do that, you know, we realized it cannot be, it cannot sit in one school district, no matter where that is. And so we approached um the DIA, our Dalton Innovative Accelerator, and the director of that was a woman named Lauren Holverson. And her job at the DIA was to support the growth of small businesses. And so when she found out about this, you know, she runs a pitch competition for young entrepreneurs. And so it, it really went hand in hand. And, you know, so she sat down with my media specialist, Julian Cagle, and me. 
And we together, the three of us, built this nonprofit. And I don't know that there won't be some other components to it. Like, I think that in the future we will develop curriculum and there probably will be some for-profit parts of it, too. But right now with the competition and working with kids like camps, you know, we'd love to have an after school program to work with kids and let them podcast after school. All of that seemed nonprofit to us. Mm -hmm. So it's and that happened in November of last year and we were ecstatic. Mm -hmm. What was in what was most surprising to you about starting a nonprofit? Oh, goodness. Um, What was the most surprising to me? I would just say how many different things you have to do. You know, I mean, I I kind of go 110 percent from the moment my eyes wake up till the moment I crash out in bed at night. But I mean, especially starting one, there's so many details and components to different things. And there's only you and maybe one or two other people. And we have this really good board starting to form, but we're not in a place yet where people kind of know what they're doing or what they're in charge of. So I feel like Julia, Lauren and I are really just, you know, going nani to nothing, trying to get everything going. And another thing that's kind of been interesting is that whole statement, like you build it and they will come. That's really true. It honestly is. And I would say that to other creatives, like, I wish so much I had done this 10 years ago, you know, that I had just believed that creativity is as important as it is. Like, I mean, education is nothing without creativity. It's nothing, you know, like because that's what makes someone connect what they're learning to their lives, you know, or those stories is that creative like energy where they take what they've learned and they create something from it. And there's nothing, in my opinion, more important than that. And I just wish as an educator, I would have been I would have had the mindset 10 years ago that I have now because, you know, no matter what roadblocks I come up against, I know this works with kids and I know it works with adults, too, because kids and adults really aren't that different. Um, and so to see the engagement of new teachers trying it, that's so empowering. But as far as the nonprofit side, I'm still figuring it out. It's definitely so new for me. Um, I love to write grants. So I'm hoping that we can get some grant funding to really build Run Your Mouth and build um, an after school program. But I did get one really wonderful grant. It's called the McCarthy Dressman Foundation. They chose my project last year as one of their three or four um, projects. And so I got a mentor from the University of Texas and we get $10,000 for three years in a row. Wow. And so that was that was also kind of one of those moments like Deanna Mathis. I'll never forget getting that email that I that I was chosen like I was in Jekyll Island out on a deck and I just screamed because, you know, it's like your mom always loves you and she thinks what you're doing is great, but you can't really trust that because she loves even your bad ideas. But when somebody across the country gives that kind of money to your project and they don't even know you, you know, it really lets you know this is as good as you thought it could be. You know, and so that has inspired me deeply. And I've already connected with my mentor from that, you know, just to 
you know, make this what it can be. And it can be a global thing. There's nothing out there like what we're doing. Well, you convinced me, and that's why in the fall, you are going to teach a course in podcasting here at Golf. Yay! <laughs> um, 3100, which is our special topics. Um, we have to kind of put it through a special topics thing before we can offer it as a, as a course with a number and all these other things. So what, um, what do you plan for that class? Oh, I've got all kinds of things planned. Well, first of all, that group of students is going to get to start. They are going to be the founders of the college, the college path of Speak Up Whitfield. They're going to get to design it, plan it. They're going to create podcasts for it. Um, I'm, I'm hoping we're going to work with like our alumni um, program so that people who've been at the Dalton State could maybe come in and offer the awards for that. Um, we're going to collaborate with UTC. They have a pod lab there. And we're going to start off creating podcasts for Speak Up Whitfield. And then... Then I have a really exciting idea. I'm going to ask each student to work with a partner and we're going to create a little series of podcasts that will be added like geocaching to the college um, camp campus. Like their different podcasts are going to be stationed, hidden throughout campus. And so a um, visitor could come on campus and they could learn about a topic related to Dalton State or something connected to college life. And they will find these podcasts on campus, scan the QR code with their phone and listen to the podcast series. So we're going to have fun. I hope you'll join me for podcasting so you can learn all about storytelling, um, editing, all the microphone usage, but most of all about kind of making a difference in our community and sharing what you know. Okay, that was your pitch, folks. Uh, <laughs> come and you don't have to be a student at Dalton State in a program. You can take the course as a as a person of the community, you, there's uh, hopes to jump through, but you can do that. And um, well, thank you. This has been so fascinating. And I'm looking thank forward you. to what you're going to do with our our uh, students and what you're going to be doing with the students across the country, it sounds like. You know, yes. Um, you have you had an idea and you know, you brought it to fruition. And I think a lot of people think creativity is just something that oozes out of your head. But one of my favorite writers uh, who I've been quoting a lot recently about creativity, and it's hard to say his name, it's Mahalye Sixet Mahalye. <laughs> that is hard. He wrote about creativity that if it doesn't get recognized by other people, um, it really doesn't... He, he he would argue that it doesn't really become right. It's not creative. I'm not sure the case, but it does have to be recognized. And in your case, it has been recognized pretty wide, widely and apparently uh, will continue to do that. So that's uh, that's amazing. And thank, thank you. you for being with us today. Yes, yes. Join podcasting in some way or another. Because I think being a listener and being a podcaster, it's like a beautiful dance of storytelling. And until you know about it, you've just missed out. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you.